It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored with me, Jeremy Kyle, rail fails and pumped-up petrol prices are causing complete misery for millions. We'll ask what's fueling Britain's transport crisis and how we can fix it. Record waiting lists and DIY dentistry. Who will heal the National Health Service? And as the race for number 10 enters what feels like its 70th year, we'll ask the Tory party deputy chairman if it's time to cut short this ridiculous contest and fix our country. Good evening, my friends. A big welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. I'm Jeremy Cowell. Now, all this week, I've been using my platform to talk about the cost of living crisis and Britain's summer of strife. Tonight, we're going to be talking transport, and I want you to spot the words, because this has been painstakingly put together. Almost everyone's had plans derailed by the biggest train walkouts in 30 years. That Mick Lynch has ideas above his station, doesn't he? More strikes than a ten-pin bowler. The three more are planned this month, and you can forget about London Underground. They work less days than Santa Claus. But, my friends, at least there's one faithful engine we can always rely on. That's right! Thomas the Tank Engine, that faithful symbol of British railroad reliability and service with a smile. But sadly, no more. Thomas has tanked. I took my kid to see him today. There we are, lovely. Sadly, we discovered on arrival that Thomas couldn't perform properly because it was too hot. Apparently, sparks from his engine could cause fires in the hot weather, so he could only move 100 metres in and out of the station. So there you have it, my friends. Even Thomas has packed it in. Now, there is, of course, a serious side to this, so let's get back on track before I run out of steam and lose my train of thought. Cost of living. It's not just public transport-facing crisis. For many people, the cost of fuel is becoming a very serious problem. Record prices mean just getting to work for many is becoming too expensive. The cost of oil and gas, made worse by the war in Ukraine, is driving up prices and squeezing supply. So much so that today we learned, this is just extraordinary, the UK is now expecting planned power cuts this winter. Great. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, excuse me. Hello. Rob, I need some money for the meter, mate. We haven't got any cash left. Brilliant. We've got no cash. Bingo! Thank you very much. Did you like that? Oh, that was good. Right, first tonight. Uh, Those painful prices at the pumps, fuel costs have finally started to fall. 
but they're still near record highs. The RAC today says the gap between forecourt prices and wholesale prices is the widest in almost a decade. And at the start of the week, the average petrol price at Britain's biggest four supermarkets was 174 a litre, diesel at 186. Now, we did some research. The cheapest place to fill up is here, Dalehead Garage in Hawes in North Yorkshire. Great for the good people of Hawes, but it's 250 miles away from this studio, so in my little Fiat 500, in brackets, trying to sound like Rishi Sunak, close brackets, that's close to a 100 squid round trip just to get there. I wrote this. So if you can't pop into Hawes, what can you do? Joining me now, thank you, our financial expert Gemma Godfrey here every night, former a Top Gear presenter and motoring legend Steve Berry, and my good old mate Howard Cox from the campaign group Fair Fuel UK. I'm going to start with you, Howard. Um, a lot of people will talk about the difference between the forecourt price and what it costs, you know, the supplier or, or whatever. You're calling for a fuel duty cut of 25p per litre. Quick question. Can we afford that? Absolutely. In the last year, this government is wallowing in an extra four billion of VAT because of the high prices. And don't forget the VAT is on the duty as well. It's a double taxation. And fundamentally, as you mentioned earlier, the wholesale price, and let's get this right, June the 1st, for example, was uh, 30p, or it's now 30p less than it was in June the 1st. Why? Uh, and yet the retail price has gone up 4p. What, what, why? What, what, I mean, look, Steve, help me out. <laughs> why aren't supermarkets lowering their prices more to, to almost save the motoring industry? Because we are hearing real stories of people who might not be able to get their kids to school, people who yeah. might not be able to get to work. I mean, I say it, and I've said it with Gemma every night this week, you wake up in this country and you think, what is next? People cannot afford petrol. Why is something not being done? But we're talking about it, and a lot of other people are starting to talk about it. I think people are... I nearly said something I shouldn't. I think people are getting angry, genuinely angry about this. And I think that's why we're having this conversation. And it's happening in homes and workplaces and businesses and, and in pubs all over the country. People are starting to ask that question. Why isn't it lower? Why isn't the price been lowered? And I think they're going to have to react. And it's going to... Some are reacting, and because the others have, they, they charge what they think they can get. Yeah, but here's they? an interesting thing. That research of the garage in Great Halls, is, is people are queuing down the road to go to that garage. So does that, in a business way, say to you that if garages take the decision to be competitive, they will do better? But I don't understand. Again, we're going to bring it, Gemma, back to the government. You know, I watch these two people vying to get to number 10, promising this, promising that. But yet again, nobody from the government, front and centre, saying, we know you're struggling in another way. And polio today, that's something else. But, but, but why, uh, Howard, to me, it makes so much sense to cut that and, and reduce some pain for people? Well, we've got two asks. One is to cut fuel duty. Germany have done it by 25p. France have done it by 20p. Uh, Spain have done it by 20p. And Ireland, 17p. We did it by 5p in March at the Spring Statement. And it didn't touch the sides. We didn't see it. He but I remember that. It was two quid a litre. And he said, oh, this massive thing, you've taken 5p off. And I remember that exact day, Gemma, right? Because, and I think we talked on the yeah. radio, it was 195. It came down to 190. By the time I parked the car about 100 yards down the road, <laughs> that one had gone to two quid. It's not fair, is it? It's not fair. And what we're seeing is prices, they're increasing prices very quickly. So it's not the case that actually all, all changes take a lot, a lot of time to implement. Very quick to increase prices, but they haven't decreased the prices as much as they should do. And it's real people. People are playing now. It's a postcode lottery of where you live to be able to get cheaper petrol. Tips? 
Well, okay, so in terms of tips, again, we've seen such a huge increase in petrol prices that, you know, everybody is struggling. But it's the simple things like, um, I mean, you're not going to like this one, but, you know, don't accelerate so hard. Uh, empty your Why boots. Why is he not going to like that? Well, you know, if you, if you like driving fast, you know, accelerating hard is going to increase your fuel consumption. Um, an extra 25 kilograms in your boot is going to increase your fuel consumption by a percentage. In this hot weather, oh, here's a, a tough one. Um, if you put on air conditioning, that will also um, increase your fuel consumption. But if you decrease it, and open your windows, that can increase the drag. Here's Morgan sent so. me a text earlier. Could I ask, when you're talking about turning down the AC, what about his new car with the cold seats and the hot and cold thing for his coffee? What, oh, what's he supposed to do yeah, about no, that? Very, very tough. And, and if, he's, if he's got the roof down as well, that could create a drag as well. Yeah, so horrible. Nice. Must be difficult in LA. Moving on. Mm. Um, int <laughs> could I just feel for Piers Morgan a second? <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Uh, Steve, the motoring industry, is there more that the motoring industry can do? Not really. It's too short term. This, this has happened very recently, hasn't it? And these are the dying days of, of uh, dead tree juice. I mean, the electric future is going to happen before we know it. There is one advantage to this uh, panic over uh, fuel prices, though. You can buy some very tasty motors very cheaply. If you, a pal of mine just bought a Porsche Cayenne S with a full service history, about 11 years old, very nice order, 2,000 of your English pounds. I was Again, I got offered a Mercedes Coupe the other day, five litre V8. So when you say that to people now, they're like, oh, my God, the only thing it won't pass is a petrol station. The car was 1,000 pounds. Nobody wants those big old barges. So if you ever lusted after one, now is the time. Electric motors? Look how much the cars cost in the first place. Well, you, yes, you're saving money on, by plugging it in, and people are very smug about all that, and they think they're saving the planet. But the initial purchase price is so high. Yeah. Cradle to grave. If you compare cradle to grave for an electric vehicle with internal combustion engine, there's hardly any difference in terms of saving the planet, in terms of CO2 emissions. Do you know what the, more, the greenest vehicle, and they were green, so there's a clue that was ever made was because of cradle to grave? What? the World War II Jeep. Yeah. Because wow. it's how long they keep going for. And people, one of the things that motorists can do is not chop and change the car so much. You okay. know, I mean, the old days of thinking, oh, it's going to be all worn out at 100,000 miles. Nah. A, a good, you know... Drive it into the ground. Just keep it until it, until it falls. And then, if you've got a big motor these days, you're getting 500 quid for scrap for a big one. Howard, um, Fairfield UK campaign has done such a lot of good. You always tell me that, that politicians are listening. You know, we've heard then France has done it, Germany's done it. What do we need? Do, do, do the companies need pressure brought on them by our political leaders? Because there's no government in sight. That's why, I mean, I'm, that's why I said to you at the beginning, I would have thought that one of those two leadership candidates would have thought, oh, this is a really good opportunity. Maybe they will, I don't know. Are you getting through to the politicians with your message today? Well, I've met with both of them individually. Have you? In the last Who's two, win? three weeks. Uh, Liz is going to win with of ease. Course, yeah. uh, and simply, there's, there's the reason is the tax cutting issue is the big one, of course. But what I'm afraid Rishi is actually, uh, it was found by Bloomberg, who actually published, that he wants to put a green taxes on diesel and petrol. We're already paying the highest taxes in the world. We're already paying the highest petrol in the world. And this, here's the thing, uh, Jeremy, it's very important to understand our second ask is for we, we've got off gem, off com, off what? Why haven't we got something for Pump Watch? There are 37 million drivers in this country and they don't have any uh, uh, price protection whatsoever. Do you believe them both? Well, Liz, well, when we all know that, do you believe her when she says she'll get a grip of this, yes or no? Uh, I, think, I think, yes, she will. 
I, I'm more convinced. I, I was a fan of Penny Morden. I, that's who I was going for, because she immediately came out and said she's going to cut fuel duty. Obviously, that's my campaign. I that's worry. What... I worry about you know the promises that they make. I'm going to yes. throw something out. Watch the, watch the, watch Steve Berry's face. Um, I don't want to upset <laughs> uh, cyclists. But I have absolutely no idea why cyclists who seem to dominate our roads nowadays and don't have to pay anything in petrol, don't have to pay road tax themselves or get insured. One has to move about five feet out the way, you get abused, they take pictures of you. Why aren't they taking some responsibility? Well, what do you want me to say? Do you agree? With, with every single syllable, you just... And they it. shave their legs to go faster, which does my head in. But it's true, isn't it? Totally. Cyclists. They, do you not think they should be taxed? Yes, they should, absolutely. And they should have the, an MOT on their motorbike. And on they should, the, be motor, and they should have to wear a helmet. Cyclists. And they should have a, some sort of identification. Yeah. And don't say you can't do it, because no. they already do it in Denmark. We're paying for petrol, you've got everything you want on the roads and you don't pay any money. Oh. Gem, what, no? no? Well, I, I also think that they're doing what they need to for their health as well. They're getting out, they're doing exercise. I don't know, I think that we want to encourage people to be doing more, because I think during the pandemic, I, it was health suffering. I get that, I get that. But should they not shoulder some of the burden? Because motorists are shouldering a ridiculous... Can they please use the cycle lanes? That'd be nice. OK, OK, I can see that. Are you a cyclist? I'm not a cyclist, I just feel like, you know... What? Uh, well, there, there's a place for people... There to... is a place, but they're taking over <laughs> our roads. And the the velodrome. That's a place for it. <laughs> the velodrome, yeah. <laughs> so you hope this message, this, this, this cut that you want, um, in, in, in fuel duty of 25p, you're hopeful that Liz Truss will listen, you're hopeful that the next Prime Minister, we believe it will be her, will do this. Because if it doesn't happen, very briefly from all three of you, what happens? Well, we're in, we're in dire straits. It's impacting on the economy. As you made the point, people are really suffering. People can't even afford to fill their car to go to medical appointments, to hospitals. Yeah. There's that issue that's happening. Fact. They're not going to the supermarket once a week. They're going once a month now, so it's impacting on the high street. The whole thing is costing a problem. I'm uh, backed by the Road Haulage Association. Something like 50% of a trucker's costs is fuel. Unbelievable. Steve, briefly? The economy's got to get back from the from the pandemic, people have got to get back to work. If they can't afford to drive to the place that they do their work, how are we going to do that? Brilliant. Guys, thank you so much. Gemma, back tomorrow night. We're talking finances. Brilliant. Uh, it is yet another uh, problem for us in the United Kingdom. And next, and uncensored, more problems. Record waiting lists, DIY dentistry and a possible nurses' strike to come. The big question, is the NHS facing its biggest ever emergency? Cheery stuff tonight. Don't go away. We're coming back in three. See ya. It can sometimes feel like the NHS is always in crisis, never more so than just before an election. But the truth is that national health care is complicated. It's expensive and it matters. And put simply for many, this is life and death stuff. And the NHS itself has arguably never been in greater need of emergency care. The pandemic and the costs crisis have withered a health service that was already under serious strain. And all those performance metrics and missed targets and dire warnings are suddenly becoming very real, very, very painful stories of suffering. Now, NHS staff are suffering too. How could they not be? First the pandemic, now all of this. This week we heard the Royal College of Nursing is telling its 465,000 members to vote to strike over pay. That would be the first time ever in England and Wales and it could bring hospitals to their knees. Some of them are already there. Waiting lists for routine hospitals have hit unbelievable records of 6.6 .6 million people. And for some, and this is personal to me, waiting is deadly. 10,000 people have been waiting longer than 104 days to start 
cancer treatment. That is double last year. It's appalling. Add in waiting times for ambulances at accident emergency problems as well. And England's health watchdog says that people are pulling out their own rotten teeth and using superglue to stick in homemade replacements. This is why, my friends. Nine, yes, out of every ten NHS dental practices are now not accepting new adult patients. The message is simple. Go private or, or just carry on in agony. Remember, all of this, then, is before the expected winter chaos of flu and COVID. Here's a shocking real-life story that should, in this day and age, be unthinkable. Billy Taylor removed a tooth with pliers like these. Now, he's about to join me. For more squeamish viewers, look away. Billy, um, for everybody watching, thinking this is the United Kingdom in 2022, tell me exactly what happened. Hi, Jeremy. Yeah, so uh, we went into lockdown... And uh, within about a few weeks, I started getting a bit of a problem with my tooth. I had had a bit of work on it done before. And uh, I started producing an abscess on the side of my face, and it got bigger and bigger. Um, it was excruciating pain. So I phoned up the dentist and basically said, um, told them exactly that. And they said, unless I can't breathe, like I literally like, can't breathe at all, then you can't come in, they can't do anything about it. I know there's a, a delay. Sorry, can we just recap? The dentist, who we um, are told we can't name for legal reasons, said, unless you can't breathe, don't bother coming in. Yeah, they said they can't do anything at all. If you couldn't breathe, you wouldn't so be able to make the call. So take it own hands, basically. Um, so you do this... Yeah, you, well, I mean, you, you literally <laughs> decided to take this tooth out yourself. So bad... Oh, God. So bad was the agony. I'm told you had to drink some whiskey. How painful was it, pal? Yeah, I mean, you know, if, you, if you've had toothache before, you'll know uh, how it can kind of affect you. It's, you know, it's excruciating pain. And, um, yeah, just had to, had to do it, really. I mean, had a bit of whiskey and then thought, let's go for it. Just give it my best shot, to be honest. But, yeah, I mean, the abscess could have got a lot worse, could have had an infection which could, you know, could go to your brain. So it's quite serious stuff we're dealing with. When... Um... It, it, it finished, the pandemic. Did you get treatment in the end? Did you go and tell this dentist or another dentist you'd done uh, this? Well, no, I mean, it, I did... I, well, I took it out. The next day it started healing and it had a full recovery. Within about three days, it had fully sort of healed over. Uh, the next time I saw the dentist, which was just a routine checkup, uh, they had a look and they asked me who took it out. I told them I did it and they're sort of a bit shocked. But I said, well, I couldn't, get, couldn't see a dentist. Um, two and, um, questions. Yeah, was, I mean... was, was that the same dentist who told you you couldn't breathe or did you change surgeries? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't change surgery. There's no, no else I could go to, really. They all sort of... They all had massive waiting lists. So, tonight, so, yeah. uh, when you finish, you launch on, on British television, right? You get toothache. The big question, Billy Taylor, would you go to a dentist or would you do it yourself? Well, there we go. Um, I'd go to a dentist if I could see a dentist, but at the moment, I, they don't seem to be able to get hold of them, can you, really? That's the, that's the truth of it. Billy, thank you so much indeed. Um, Stay so there. Yeah. Uh, Dr Rona Iskander in a second. Uh, Dr Philippa Kay, um, I know when you walked in, you said, oh, I'm going to get a hard time. No, uh, listen, Rona, I want to try and understand. Will you see that? Yeah. What, you're, a, you're a dentist. Correct. Uh, you trained... You're a, what, what in the name of the Lord do you think when you see that in 2022? A colleague of yours saying, if you can't breathe, don't bother ringing us. Ridiculous. 
I think it's totally unacceptable and I think it really affirms that NHS dentistry is at its all-time crisis. This story, unfortunately, is something that I heard a lot during the pandemic. So it's not a one-off? No, not a one-off. Right. And unfortunately, when national lockdown hit, I was actually spending most of my days on the phone dealing with patients, my own patients or even patients that weren't my own, and trying to give them advice over the phone. Physically couldn't open up my dental practice. We were shut for the first three months. We couldn't see them. I think I spoke to Philippa as well, who also told me that a lot of dental patients were calling up the doctors and saying, I have abscesses, I have this. And dentists felt really, really powerless. Why are there so... Why are we in the grip as, as we sit here? And we'll move uh, to Philippa in a second about doctor's appointments. You know, 6.6 .6 million people on waiting lists. Why are people unable to find a dentist? Presumably that means there aren't enough dentists. And you know what I'm going to say to you? You trained as an NHS dentist. We, the taxpayer, paid for that. And then you've gone private because you told my team there's too much stress. So... So why are we investing in you if you're allowed to then disappear? Is there not a contract? Well... This is a thing, and I think that NHS dentistry, the problem really is the system. I went in with a lot of love and passion for my career. Dentistry has the highest suicide rate of lots of professions. The BDA have affirmed that as well. When I went in there, I was given targets and quotas by my practice. These are set out by the NHS. You have to do X amount of work. That meant that sometimes I was doing checkups in six minutes, seven minutes. That is not the care that I want to give my patients. I was burning out, and I wasn't giving the quality that they really deserved. Why are people... Listen, the way you explain it, I can understand why, why more people aren't getting into the profession. Certainly, it's yet another thing that seems to have crept on us, uh, up on us and, and is causing massive problems. Are they finding it difficult to find dentists? Is that the reason because of the industry? Well, I think this is a great question because, actually, dental schools take about 70 dental students, on average, to, in a year. Yeah. This hasn't increased. There were 70 10 years ago when I qualified, and there's 70 now. The crisis is getting worse. Why aren't they taking on more students? Again, it's a funding problem. And, and, need... and, you're, and, and actually, you make such a salient point. I'll bring in uh, Dr uh, Philippa Kay. Philippa, th this is not just dentists. This is doctors. This is nurses. We heard about the, the Royal College of Nursing saying strike. I mean, that's never happened before. How bad is it on the front line for you? It's difficult, and I think that we need to remember that we don't want to frighten people and we don't want people to not go to hospital when they need to. You know, if you are having symptoms of a heart attack or a stroke, you need to go. And we saw at the beginning of lockdown that people weren't going when they had cancer symptoms. They were concerned. If you are in need, the NHS is open. It has always been open, and it is open for you. But we are six, 7,000 GP shorts. We are tens of thousands of hospital doctors and nurses Why? and midwives. Why? Short. Is it, as, as, as Rona said, and I totally get your point, you know, that, that you go in there with such expectations, a bit, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you want to do, you want to give, and the pressure's unbearable. And, of course, you're going to go private. I completely get that. People who send their kids to private education say, why would I not if I can afford it? Because the system's not great. What, for you as a GP, I mean, 6.6 .6 million people waiting. I mean, it's OK and quite proper to say don't panic because... You know, my, my old man died a year ago and the NHS were absolutely unbelievable. But you go out into the waiting room and there's thousands of people waiting and it... It's not fair on anybody, is it? I think it's a combination of things. And I think it's also important to remember that when patients are complaining and complaining about lack of access, that actually you need to be complaining to your MP as much as you might be complaining to your GP. There is a lack of training and there is a... But the, even if we opened up the medical schools right now, mm. 
I'm still 10 years away from, you know, having more GPs on the desk next to me. And we need to be able to retain our staff. There are issues about pension rules and doctors, senior doctors leaving early or leaving at different times. And I mean, we I remember to... doing this the other day on the radio. Some doctors or GPs want to work three days a week because they don't, they can't, a bit like you, Rona, the, 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 the pressure and the stress. The message, the message that would come across, and I'm not criticising either of you because you do a fantastic job, it seems to me that the very people that keep this country going are being let down by this country. And, and that, for all of us, has really, really bad ramifications, doesn't it? You have to remember that GPs who may be working three full days are likely to be working over 40 hours within those three yeah. full days. Yeah. And that GPs, lots of us, are, will also be appraisers of other GPs, which we have to do every year. Or we'll be teaching medical students. Or we'll be doing other things that have to, or research, that have to be done. So it's not that if you're a portfolio GP and you work three or four days a week, it's not that people aren't working, they're working. And also in any job, people have the right to work part-time if that's what they want to do. And that's how you might retain your staff better. Interesting. Um, and of course, the private sector would be uh, more preferable for people, not just the money, but the, the, the work things that you've talked about, hours and flexibility. Rona, we're not looking after, in my mind, dentists, doctors, the very people who are supposed to look after us. How do we fix this? What's your answer? I think that this is a great question and I've been That's really... That's two great questions in one interview. I'm quite proud of myself. Literally. Quite proud of myself. Well done, Jess. <laughs> I think the thing is, really, as I said, you've got to take up more dental students. We've got to provide the funding. More dentists need to go through. We need to also prepare them for a better work environment. The other thing is, is that 2,000 dentists left the NHS yeah. this year. 2,000, right? Yeah. And why? This isn't necessarily to go private. They're leaving the profession as a whole. They cannot handle the stress of running a practice with fulfilling these quotas. They're finding themselves incredibly short-staffed. We're not having the support system anymore. You know, nurses, receptionists, etc. We know there's shortages across the board. So we really need to provide an environment that's conducive to providing optimal health care. Um, Billy, I think, I think it's really, um, really, uh, Philippa, sorry. In terms of the way you look at this whole thing, I guess as a medical professional, you think people are on at us the whole time. We care, we want to do our best. T to sum up, really, as Rona said, What's your message to people if they are in pain, can't get a GP's appointment, they can't get a dentistry, they're sitting at home, they can't put petrol in their car, they can't afford this? It's a nightmare. Healthcare, I would have thought, to this country is one of the most important things. It's going to get worse, as we said, in the winter. What's your message, Philippa? First thing is to do is to look after yourself. That means you take up your COVID vaccine, your flu vaccine if it's offered to you, and all of those things. You attend your cervical screening and your breast screening because catching things early or prevention is better than cure. And from a financial point of view, it costs less to the NHS as well, never mind the huge personal cost. So there are definitely things that you can do. You also need to use the NHS wisely. And that might mean that you yeah. talk to your pharmacist first. Yeah. Pharmacists are often a really underused resource. Yeah, that you use your walk-in centre and your local minor injuries clinic and your GP and not just go to A&E straight away. So we have to use it carefully. But if you have chest pain, if you have stroke, if you have symptoms related to cancer, then you need to ring your GP. And yes, you might be talking to a receptionist first, but you need to say, this is what I'm concerned about. And you will be put forward because we are triaging. That means that we are dealing yeah. with the people in most need first. Do you both think that there are some dentists and doctors who are having it too easy when the country looks on and is suffering? No, no I think my colleagues not. are working incredibly, absolutely. incredibly um, hard under a time of immense pressure on the back 
background of two years of a pandemic. But I have to say, amazingly. I had to be in hospital um, some months ago and the response was incredible. And I, and I think that we have to balance it. I think we do have to balance it because yeah. the people who do that job, but you wouldn't advocate that, would you? No, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. And I think the thing is as well, just to echo what Philippa says, is that, you know, I sometimes speak to dentists that are newly qualified, have been two years into practice, and they call me up in tears because they simply cannot cope. And the restrictions that we had to work in afterwards, you know, we had to allow surgeries to air for an hour between patients so we couldn't see enough patients the PPE I mean literally looked like the Michelin man you know it was so uncomfortable and you know these just weren't great conditions and we are here to provide health you know we care about our patients I really really appreciate it Billy and Devon as well thank you very much indeed um, I think it's really easy as I said to to criticize and say this isn't good enough and it isn't but I think it's also really important to say that the service that people like you do is is so important. Thank you for joining us Thank tonight. You so much. I, can I have an appointment tomorrow morning at nine o'clock? We've got toothache. Got one for you, Jeremy. <laughs> Private yes. or NHS? Anything for you. There we go. Still to come on Uncensored, it's the dog days of the Tory leadership race. But there's still, my friends, another four weeks to go. My feeling is, as so many other people agree, shouldn't they just put us out of our misery? Put Liz Truss into 10 Downing Street and get on with running this country. Tory party deputy chairman Matt Vick has been in the job three weeks. He's live after this break. I'm coming right back. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
Right, last night, Talk TV hosted the Tory leadership hustings in Darlington, a veritable cornerstone in the former Red Wall. Liz Truss and Richie Sunak traded barbs on tax, on levelling up and the cost crisis. But it was presenter Tom Newton-Dunn's comments at the end of his interview with Liz Truss that stole the headlines. The Foreign Secretary was caught on mic apologising to our Tom for criticising the media. Tom rightly called her out and said it's cheap. Have a look. I'm sorry it's mean about the media, Tom. It's, it's cheap. Meanwhile, Rishi Sunak, worth 730 million quid, by the way, tried to find common ground with his northern audience. Dishy Rishi told them when he's eating out to help out, he quite enjoys a palmo. Uh, for the uninitiated here, a palmo is a Tyneside takeaway favourite involving a giant slab of breaded chicken covered in white sauce and cheese. Now, I'm not utterly convinced that's your, really your dish, Rish. Uh, Tom also asked both candidates if they'd be prepared to work together to solve Britain's cost crisis. Trust snipe that Sunak's plans were, quote, Gordon Brown economics. Um, I'd say a bit like that, although I don't agree with this. It all got quite tasty. I'm delighted, though, to be joined now by Deputy Conservative Party Chairman and MP for Stockton, good friend of mine, Matt Vickers. Good evening, Matt. How are you? Good evening, Jeremy. I'm fantastic. Coming at you loud and clear from Costa del Stockton. It's been glorious up here today. We've been out on the doorsteps. It's fantastic. I'm upbeat. I'm happy. Uh, let's start with the Palmo, because I've, I've read something very interesting. Matt Vickers sent a letter to the parliamentary catering team last year asking to include the traditional Teesside delicacy on its list of culinary options. In Tuesday's hustings, Rishi Sunak praised you for putting the Palmo on the menu in Parliament, and he said... We won't just be serving them in Parliament, we'll be serving them off the Cabinet table in Downing Street. I mean, celebrity chef, Matt Vickers. What's going on, man? Have <laughs> you had a palm yet, Jeremy? It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, basically, I went down there to Westminster and noticed that when you, you, know, you see this fantastic menu with all these wonderful culinary dishes from all over the world there for MPs, parliamentarians and peers to eat, and I decided, why not a dish from Teesside, the Palmo, wonderful stuff. And actually, my mission down there was getting the Palmo on their menu and getting Teesside on their menu as well so they can get spend some cash up here and get you know, some of my issues dealt with. Right, let's get serious, my friend. Um, I'm going to put to you the Deputy uh, Conservative Party Chairman. I know you've only been in the job a week. You were, you were very supportive of Boris Johnson. You haven't come out to declare for either Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak although you were involved in his election in his Richmond constituency. Um, to a lot of people in this country, and this is what I want a direct answer to, we're watching an elongated mess that is... I, I don't know, they trade barbs every day. They both seem to make promises that none of us can quite work out whether those are attainable. Do you not think the British people right now need a government to be active, to be available, to be out there telling us that these horrendous things, be it the cost of living, at petrol, food, polio today... You do you not think our government needs to govern, put this to bed and get on with doing what we, the British people, need, Matt? I think democracy is a really important thing and I actually think it's right that those two people who will be in down... One of whom will be in Downing Street running this country is travelling the length and breadth of this country talking to Conservative Party members, being asked the questions that matter to the people in Stockton, in Darlington last night. I think that's a healthy thing. I think that's a good thing. And I think they should be stress-tested. I think that we should be put on, the, put on the spot and questioned about the issues that affect the people around here. And I think that's entirely the right thing to do. Do I think there are lots of issues going on in the country? Exactly. And that's why it's so important that we get the right person. But, of I, course, government I, hasn't I get, stopped I get that, uh, when it comes to the cost of... 
I get, I get that, Matt, but you might have heard the last section. Let me put this in real terms for you. I, I'm speaking to, uh, before the break, a dentist so stressed by the, the conditions of being an NHS dentist, she quit. A doctor who is part of uh, a workforce that's shrinking that's got a 6.6 million long waiting list. And a man who, unable to see a dentist, took his own teeth out with pliers. I'm not being against democracy. Our government has, in many people's eyes, disappeared and needs to be more on the front foot, helping us at this moment. That's what I'm saying to you. And I think whatever your policies and whatever side wins... Actually, the British people are getting fed up because they think we're being left in the mire on our own, Matt. That's the point. In real terms, our, our waiting lists are through the roof. We had a pandemic where people couldn't get elected surgery, couldn't access to things that they might have. The NHS, under massive pressure, our amazing NHS, by the way, that delivers fantastic services. Those amazing men and women who work at my local hospital and deliver unbelievable quality of care. And actually, you know what? There are almost, I think we're on 11,800 more nurses in those hospitals than there were a year ago. There are 4,300 more doctors in those hospitals than there were just a year ago. The NHS is getting the biggest cash boost in its entire history. But Matt, and you know Matt, what Matt, we were debating know, last night? We were debating how that money should get Matt, spent, how we make it go further. Matt, I know there's a delay. I, I understand when you work in government about soundbites. What I'm asking is, does the Tory government right now understand the depths of concern, the depth of fear... Fear that people will not be able to heat their homes. Fear that they won't be able to fill their cars to get to work. Fear that they'll have to, what, take their own teeth out. Fear that there will be blackouts. We've read that today. What I'm saying is I'm not trying to over-dramatise it. I'm trying to say that a majority of people in this country are looking at what's going on and going, whether it's Rishi Sunak or Liz Truss, I want my government to tell me how the hell I'm going to pay my electricity bill come January. That's what I'm saying, mate, yeah? You... Yeah, you couldn't over-dramatise the impact of the cost of living to me. Every day, today, I was out on the doorsteps hearing from people in my part of the world, seeing the bills that are landing on those doormats that are through the roof. This isn't a UK problem, this is a global problem. We all know all the causes of it, whether it be the war in Ukraine, uh, whether it be the, the unlock from COVID, all of the zero COVID policies of China, all those things have had a massive impact. It's affecting the globe, these, these prices. And what is the government doing? Well, it's focusing... You know what? The government doesn't grow money on trees. It has the money that you pay in tax, that I pay in tax, and that everyone else at home pays in tax. So when we give it to somebody to support them, we take it from somebody else. And those are fine balancing acts. But what we are doing is ensuring that the, 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 those most vulnerable in society get as much as £1,600 extra in the pocket, and that's entirely the right thing to do. That money hasn't all reached everybody yet. There, are, there is money that will appear in October um, for pensioners, whether that be, you know, there's an Matt, increase of £300 a winter fuel allowance. There's the... Matt, is it, final question, yep. a good look for the Tory party, the party that's supposed to tax and, and spend prudently, the, the, the party that's supposed to care? What I find astonishing, and I'm going to stick up for Rishi Sunak here, he stands up and he talks about prudence in terms of tax and inflation, almost Thatcherite. It seems from what we read that the Tory faithful have turned against that. I fear that the Tory party, if they continue to rip themselves to shreds and whether they say they care about the British people, they are perceived to not have their eyes on the game, 
I fear that that will affect them long-term. And I'm asking you as the deputy chair, does your party and does your government understand the depth, the depth of misery, suffering and concern right now, not just in Darlington, but across the country, Matt Vickers? That's the question. I think we're very well aware. We're out on the streets every day hearing the challenges that people, people are facing. And that's exactly why those candidates are travelling around the country, hearing the pressures, hearing the challenges that people face in different parts of this country uh, and how very tough these times are. But you know what? We got through that pandemic. We've got the doors open on the economy again. We've got people still in work. During that pandemic, we paid 13 and a half million people's wages. That has to be paid down somehow. And now we're getting to the other end. We're dealing with the problems, the impact that's had on our hospitals, the impact it's had on our kids in school, and the impact it's had on our economy. Uh, big challenges. We've, we got through the Brexit thing. We got through the pandemic. And now we're dealing with recovering from that pandemic and getting this country moving again. Uh, and you know what? We're going to be optimistic and we're going to get on with the job with whichever one of those fantastic candidates we select to be the next uh, prime minister of this right. country. Right. Actually, I've got two more very quickly. And it's the one word answer. Uh, who wins? Rishi Sunak or Liz Truss? Oh, that's a convenient You time. know what? I'm entirely <laughs> neutral. I'm not allowed. OK. I'm not um, allowed. Otherwise, I'm sure they're both great candidates. Do you know what? The Labour Party would love to have a female leader. All right, all right. We might uh, be one on thing, to third. You've got love third, to have a leader yeah, from yeah, an yeah, ethnic yeah. minority. Got, We're probably going to have the... You've got 30 seconds to promote something that I think is fantastic. Tell us about your campaign for posthumous awards for World War I soldiers. And fair play to you. 30 seconds. Go, Matt Vickers. It's the most important campaign I've probably ever ran. I know about a guy from Stockton called George Hunter. He had an industrial... He worked at a foundry up in Port Clarence. He suffered from an industrial accident, still put himself forward to go into World War I, was sent off to France, leaving his wife and children behind. He was shot at dawn uh, because his behaviour as a result of this industrial action uh, made them seem as a trouble causer. He was pardoned. We pardoned him. People looked at the evidence and said that was completely wrong. And now he deserves those medals, and I'm going to do everything I can to get him those medals. Good man. Uh, Matt, uh, thank you for that. Take your Palmo with you. And coming up next, Jezza's journos are fired up and ready to fulminate fume all over today's debates. The legend that is Kevin O'Sullivan and Afia Hagen next on Uncensored. See you in a minute. Welcome back to Uncensored with me, J.K. I'm joined now by my fabulous Jezza's journos tonight, Talk TV legendary presenter Kevin O'Sullivan and Talk TV contributor Afia Hagen, or Mrs. H, as I love to call her. <laughs> Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Nice to see you, Kev. Uh, so, the big question, uh, extraordinary to think, in 2022, mm -hmm. are we going to see blackouts at Christmas this year? Probably, yes. Really? Yes. I think the government preparing people, preparing, saying, you know, perhaps we might have problems with power of power. We only have a sixth of the power that we need. I think, yes, the government should be preparing people. Growing up in Scotland, I remember there was a winter where we did have blackouts for about two months. I'm not really sure why. I asked my mum. She couldn't remember why either. But we had to deal with that. In Scotland, it was really, really freezing. Kev, oh, dear. Oh, oh. oh, dear. Honestly, I do apologise. <laughs> Rob, then you put money... Wait, hold on a minute. Hold on. Where's my butt? Put the money in the meter. Look, oh, there he is, Kev O'Sullivan, as Hello. I never saw him before. <laughs> Rob, put the money in the meter, man. Haven't you? Well, you get paid enough. Right, listen. <laughs> Sick of that gag. Um, Kev, honestly, 2022, place is running out of water. 
petrol we can't afford to put in our cars, blackouts. What is this? 1940. Why why has all of this seemingly just come and jumped at us? Was there no forward planning? What's going on, Paul? Well, we've had incoherent energy policies for a long, long time. We've got a perfect storm. Uh, Ukraine, Russian, Russia cutting off the gas. Uh, our green policies, which have left us uh, rather... Um, susceptible to uh, fluctuating global uh, situations and the economy. And therefore, what's going to happen is hospitals and uh, food outlets, food manufacturers have already been told, get your generators ready because we are going to almost certainly have to impose strategic blackouts on the country. Now, the last time this happened, I'm young and I'm young enough, old enough, <laughs> old enough. I was only a little kid, but I do remember Ted Heath. He had to do the same back in the 1970s. And once a politician, a government has to impose turning the lights out, that government is out. If we have blackouts, the government will lose the next election. Well, I think this is the end of the game for the Tories. This has happened. I mean, it, it, civil unrest. I'm not sure. I'm just being honest. I, I mean, if I... If you lay it out, people can't pay their bills. Yep. They're not going to have electricity. I mean, yep. where does it end, briefly? And this is the thing, is that, Kevin, you're absolutely right. This is the end of this government. And actually, people need to realise that they need to stop voting for the Tory party. Stop voting well, for the Well, what's the alternative? I had this argument last well, night. This is a, it's a very good point. But you're right, civil unrest is not too far from, down the road. If people can't pay their bills, if they can't put food on the table, they can't heat their homes, they can't feed their children, where else do they go? And they can only, um, you know, make their voices heard by going to the ballot box. And that's not for another couple of years. Well, we've so, said it. Yes, we've we're said it, haven't we? I said, I said it to you this morning, this rudderless government. I don't believe that anybody should get into number 10 Downing Street without a mandate from the people. People will disagree. We've got fuel prices. We were talking about this today. We've got... I mean, and I did this graphic last night, you know, electricity and gas from like 1,277 quid, a year later 4,200 quid. What do you think will happen to the people of this country? Well, the, the problem is uh, they're talking about civil disobedience. It will be enforced civil mm. disobedience because it's not a question of people saying these bills are too high, we refuse to pay them, this is a protest. They will refuse to pay them because they simply can't pay them. Pay them. The abyss we are staring into is unprecedented. I'm not sure this government's got a handle on it, mm. uh, but I also don't think that the uh, answer is to vote Labour, it certainly isn't that. Well, the answer is not to vote, uh, to keep voting Conservatives. And also, I don't understand why... But that why doesn't answer it. The Labour Party should be straight to hell. I said they it last should night. Be, they're and not. They, they should be taking advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, but they're useless. And, well, uh, yes, because Keir Starmer is useless. Absolutely. So, agreed. You know, and there's lots of people who are politically homeless because the Labour Party, they couldn't organise a party in a brewery. What are they doing? They should be using this as an well, opportunity... Well, they organised a party in a brewery to, and he got well, away with it. Yes. Um, very, very quickly... Well, not uh, really. Tom, well, there we go. Tom Daly's new doctor documentary about homophobia in the Commonwealth. Just yes. 30 seconds briefly. Is, is he right? Is he wrong? He's right and he's wrong. A lot of homophobia in lots of those countries that he talked about, 30-something countries, was actually already there before um, colonialism, before the empire. And you're from Ghana, is, and that's yes, one of the countries involved, absolutely, right? Absolutely, which is really shameful. Um, but a lot of these things were culturally unacceptable, and then the empire came and put them into law. And I think that's what he means when he was talking about the empire didn't um, make it easier. You know, they kind of um, 
it's in not a Britain's way... fault, though. No, it's, it's not it's, Britain's it's... fault. He tried to blame Britain. There are 56 countries but, in the Commonwealth. But a lot of, 35 but a lot of, of the laws came 35 of them ban the homosexuality. Uh, 14 of them are under direct British law. And in all of those uh, colonies, the directly ruled British colonies, homosexuality is legal. So to blame Britain uh, for other countries' laws is just ludicrous. All right, Kev, you had a heated discussion with a climate activist Dude, today. Can we just watch this <laughs> clip? This is brilliant. It's what is known, Dylan, as a nice, sunny summer day. It is not a prelude no, to the no, end of the world. Do you get that? It is dairy. a nice it's day. It's not the end of the world. One of the key contributors to the climate No, no, listen to me. Listen to me, will you? Don't talk over me. Oh, God, you people. You're supposed to be a me. You are telling us to enjoy the weather. Yes, I am. <laughs> Can you believe that? Do you, you know, enjoy the weather? Yeah, I mean, these people are doomsday cultists. They hate the whole idea of joy, of people enjoying anything. It's sunny. It's the end of the world. No, it's not. And e hot days, even those very hot days we had a couple of weeks ago, certainly do not prove that climate change uh, has reached a critical point, if That's at all. That's the problem, Kevin, because they actually No, they do. don't. They, uh, do. they, they really do. do. That's they rubbish. Do. Because, prove it, prove it. What prove? 97% of climate scientists agree that global warming is caused so by humans. By, 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 you, you can, but, yeah, okay, you know, that would... Why not? So nothing. So certitude because, is but, not but, warranted but, but, here, is but it? But the thing is, There's no the, the thing is, Kevin, here. it's factual that the Earth is warming, and that's proven by the warmer yeah, temperatures. It's not necessarily our fault. It's not necessarily can our I, fault. Can I jump in? Because I'd love to talk to you two forever. Maybe we we'll go down the pub. But listen, on a serious <laughs> note, uh, you know, I get the whole idea we should be concerned about the climate, and I'm not just siding with my mate. I think there are more pressing problems right now Certainly to get are. dealt with I'm, rather than worrying. And I think that Green Levy, I love you, Mrs H, but i got to go. Please come back, won't you? Oh, Afia Hagen, thank you very much. The legend that is Kev O'Sullivan, back tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock on Talk TV. Uh, almost uh, five tonight. So we're standing by for the talk, uh, which will be on after uh, nine o'clock. That's it from me. Uh, what a day it was from Thomas the Tank Engine to Kev O'Sullivan, <laughs> all in 16 hours. Wherever you are tonight, keep it uncensored. Have yourselves a great Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow night at eight o'clock. Ta-ra! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.